everyone, and welcome to the Tightwad Tech, episode 53, Summer Maintenance for June 30th, 2011. This week, we're going to take a break and talk about uh, uh, some things that we do around here and that probably you do around your school, the the things that go on in the summer. Um, I've been in this business uh, 15 or so years now, and it never fails. At least once every summer, somebody asks me, what do y'all do up there at the school all summer long? Yeah, yeah. They think that we're on a break, that we don't do anything. What I tell them is, is summer is actually our busiest time. It's when we're doing more uh, than any other time. And so finally, after years, I came up with the perfect description of how to tell people what I do all summer long. I say summer is when I have 10 weeks to repair what 700 people spent 10 months breaking. Yeah, that's, that's about right. That sums it up. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. you put it that way, they all go, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we do do that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so the next time somebody asks you, what do you do all summer long? That's what you can tell them. You've got 10 <laughs> weeks to repair what 700 people spent or however many people you have in your district uh, spent 10 months breaking. Uh, some of those people, I think, count as like two or three. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> because it really is throughout the year. It's all about bailing wire and band-aids. Right. Yes. You just want to get through the day or through the month or through the year, um, and, and you don't have time to, to really fix things, to deep fix things. Right, yeah. If you have something going on in a lab and you don't want to have to, at least in our situation, uh, unlock them all and do some new setup or do some major overhaul of the hardware or something, uh, because, one, it's hard to slip it in there, right? I mean, they're having classes and things, so... Uh, and yeah. let's face it, nobody wants to be up here on a Saturday working or all weekend. Uh, no. Um, I, I get that from time to time. I don't know about, about you, but somebody will say, why don't y'all do that after hours? Because I have a home and right. a wife and I like, kids. I like to see my family just like you do. Right. <laughs> uh, they seem to have this mentality that um, when they leave at 4 o'clock, we're still there till 10 or 11 o'clock working on things. And the fact is, that's true some days. Right. Um, and, and we do tend to stay later than uh, most people anyways. But but we want to uh, minimize that as much as possible. Right. Uh, one interesting thing that I, I thought was funny. Uh, we got a new uh, student database system and, and finance database. It's all, all rolled into one. Uh, our that, old was, st- that was your choice, right? You picked that out. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> because... Upper management always consults me before buying anything. Uh, right. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> but, but basically, our old system is no longer supported. They're moving to a, a new thing. And somewhere, some point down the line, somebody put a bug in the ears of our secretaries that said, you have to have a 27-inch monitor to use this software. Yeah. Now, let's think about that for just a moment. How ridiculous. The software just won't work. <laughs> With a 22-inch monitor. you got to have a 27-inch monitor. It's just not going to work. Yeah. But being the non-technical types, they'll believe that. Sure. Not only that, but they want a big honking monitor, right? So just this morning, one of the uh, secretaries uh, uh, contacted me uh, uh, and said, you know, have you ordered my monitor yet? And I said, no. And they said, well, we, we, we have to have 27-inch monitors. And I said, you know, that's bigger than the TV I have in my bedroom. <laughs> Think about that, all right? Most of us still have an old tube TV hanging around somewhere that's 21, 25 inches, maybe right. 19. Um, and and that's fine for an entire family of people to gather around <laughs> from 10 feet away and watch programming. But for some reason, to use this software, you need a 27-inch monitor 8 inches from your nose. 
And I have no doubt that whoever was selling the software or the rep or whatever that uh, talked to them uh, told them that, you know, actually sold them on that. And I'm surprised they didn't have. Oh, and by the way, we have these 27 inch <laughs> monitors here. That you we can recommend purchase. specifically the point R model 2719. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, you know, I, I think in the end we were talking about that off the air where I, I don't think they're going to really be happy with it because they don't realize that the, uh, the, their fonts are likely to actually get smaller in right. that situation. The larger monitor means higher resolution, which means smaller print. Yeah. Uh, you can't run a 27 inch monitor at 1024 by 768 resolution. It's right. not going to work. Um, uh, but so, so in the process of this conversation, I said, you understand that, uh, um, this is going to cost about $350 per monitor, and there's several people who need these things. And the secretary said, okay. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, that's fine for you. It's not coming out of your budget. And she said, well, just skimp somewhere else. Thank yeah, you. You Thank know, you. and I, I think that's funny because, you know, uh, what do we do as adults all the time to our kids, right? Because our kids do that to us, right? kids come up and you know you're at the store or whatever and they they just think that you as a parent have a limitless supply of money right right and uh, because if you don't they say write a check right because you know it doesn't come out of their pocket right and we think that we outgrow that as we get older we don't but we don't no as long as it's somebody else's money it's okay go ahead right. and buy buy me that uh what seventeen inch laptop? <laughs> I think that's an eighteen, isn't it? Eighteen inch, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to say, okay, you you tell me which student you'd like me to take a computer away from so that you can have a monitor because three monitors is at three hundred fifty bucks is the cost of a computer. All right, so for the three yeah. of you, you get together and you decide which one of your kids doesn't get a computer. <laughs> and I will get you the monitor. That would that would change things, I think. Yeah, because you, you know you've all got kids in school here, so uh, or grandkids or something. So you you get together and decide between them which one of them doesn't get to use a computer all next year because you needed a twenty seven inch monitor. They could draw straws or something, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and so <laughs> the line I got back was, well, the superintendent said it was okay. Once again, superintendent, <laughs> it's not coming out of his budget. Well, I guess indirectly it is, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's just passing down the word yeah handling whatever yeah i could just see him right he's got a stack of papers he's reading one thing uh on the phone listening to somebody else and then secretary walks in and says can i have a 27 inch monitor what yeah okay and then goes in no i'm thinking it was more like this it have you talked to talk to them about our 27 inch monitors yet <sighs> okay you can have the 27 i don't want to hear about it again <laughs> you know? I'm thinking it was more along those lines. You know? yeah. So I'll be ordering, I'm sure, some 27-inch. I don't have a 27-inch monitor on <laughs> no, my desk. I don't want a 27-inch yeah, monitor. That's massive. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough about that. Um, next thing, it's it's summer. It's right. We're right in the middle of it. You you Australians out there, it's winter for you. But here uh, in the uh, um, northern hemisphere, it is summer. Uh, school is out, and we're... Um, busy in a different sort of way and so uh as a result uh, we said last year going into this uh in fact we waited to go weekly um 
until after the summer because we 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 didn't think yes. we would be able to do it and we even we i don't think we missed any episodes last year but we came back and we were late and and had some short episodes so i'm just saying be prepared for some um substandard content <laughs> over the next 10 weeks or so we'll try we'll do our best but uh you know as i've already said this is our busiest time of the year we're working like crazy uh and so uh some of the shows may be uh uh a little light on content and i'm just going to be prepare you right from the beginning this is one of them yeah and that's you know uh, that also goes to get lining up guests and things like that guests are harder to line up right they're all in vacation and whatever yeah saved it (laughs) (laughs) almost sneezed I'm not even going to edit that. I'm just going to let that go. Yeah, let it go. Let it go. So anyway. So yeah, uh, I I remember that uh, last year too. It seemed like we uh, had a lot more shows without guests last summer because uh, everybody was off. Right. So... So we're heading into a big holiday here uh, in the U.S., Independence Day. I refuse to call it the 4th of July, just like I refuse to call Christmas December 25th. Okay. That is not the holiday. It is Independence <laughs> Day. It's the day we celebrate our independence from um, the King of England. It just happens to be on the 4th of July. It is not the 4th of July holiday. So there's I, my rant about that. I think all of our listeners in the UK right now are just, they're, they have a sense of loss. We, we could have been English. Yes. 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 So. <laughs> I could imagine after, you know, after the whole Revolutionary War or uh, what, what, whatever, I don't know what they call it there. We call it the Revolutionary War. Yes. I'm sure, uh, you know, maybe 50 years after that, the entire nation of England went, whew, glad we got rid of them. <laughs> right. You know, once all the dust settled and all the bad blood was over, they looked around and went, man, that was a good, that was a good deal for us. <laughs> So anyway, uh, happy Independence Day. Uh, be safe. Uh, don't blow your hands off with the fireworks. Yes. Don't overheat out there. It's uh, monstrously hot in across most of the country. There's a uh, uh, in Texas where we live, we're having lots of issues with wildfires. So if you do choose to uh, participate in things that burn, be very careful <laughs> with them. And one last thing, this is our last plea for our now summer (laughs) 2011 (laughs) sellout contest. I'll mention it one time. This is it. This is the last time. Um, We have a contest here for um, a uh, MP3 player. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to like the last eight episodes. I've mentioned it over and over and over again. Uh, Write some sort of witty, funny, creative uh, review of the Taiwan Tech. Post it somewhere public, uh, Facebook, YouTube, a blog somewhere, a forum somewhere. Link back to it at our forums at elementop.com, and uh, we will vote on them. And that voting will happen on July 5th. July 5th. We'll give you the long weekend. Take the holiday. Be creative. Do something with it. And you, too, could win an, an MP3 player. Um, and the T-shirt. And the T-shirt. See, that would be the motivator for The me. collector's edition T-shirt. Oh, that's true. Because we're not even using that artwork anymore. Yes, so, that's right. Uh, so, uh That's it. We So far, we have one and a half submissions. <laughs> um, and so it may be that... Uh, it's one by default. Please don't let that happen. Don't let us feel so unloved as to think that you couldn't be bothered to write a paragraph somewhere on the internet for us. So that's that's all there is to that. You got this. Uh, you got this weekend, and that's it. Yes. 
Right. So, Sean, since you are um, have taken over my role as the the boots on the ground, uh, hands on technician, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the things that that you have done and you are planning to do this summer? And let's talk a little bit about uh, summer maintenance ideas. And uh, we, all, of course, encourage our listeners to uh, get back with us, and maybe we'll do a follow up before the end of the summer with some cool ideas we didn't come up with. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think uh, top of the list. Uh, and something that we knock out fairly early on is uh, taking care of dusting the machines out. And uh, we have a really cool rig that we use for that, and we're going to go ahead and get some pictures up of that. Uh, but it's a rolling cart. It's fully enclosed with uh, uh, air compressor and uh, shop vac built right in. And uh, like you've referenced before, Mark, it kind of has holes inside. It's, it's got a plexiglass front. It's got these holes you put your arms through so you can actually manipulate everything but keep all that dust in there. So uh, in the past, prior to having this rig, uh, I would take computers outside. I wouldn't even try to do it inside. I'd take them outside and blow them off because it's amazing how much dust these things can get in just a year's time. And, uh, even then it was, it was nasty work. I mean, you know, it's a hundred degrees outside and, uh, and, and that dust gets everywhere. Even when you're outside, it gets all over you and everything else. So, uh, if you don't have such a, a rig and again, check out our site for that, we'll definitely get some pictures posted. Uh, you need to make one. Right. See, back in the day, um, I used to use the little cans of compressed gas. Right? Yeah. Now, that was before we had such a large network, and, and I was dealing with uh, less than 100 computers or whatever. Um, but I would just do it as they came in for repair. Uh-huh. I wouldn't make a point to do it every summer. Um, but since I started doing that every summer, I bought an air compressor at the local hardware store, uh, and it's... Gosh, it's probably 10 years old now and is still kicking just fine. Oh, yeah. Um, since I started doing that, I noticed an incredible increase in longevity of computers. Uh, people don't necessarily understand that dust is the number one killer of electronic components. And it's not so much that the dust in itself is harmful, but it acts like a nice, warm, fuzzy sweater on electronic components. Right. Heat is the enemy of electronics. And so these machines, uh, particularly the new small form factor cases or, or even laptop cases, are super uh, engineered to to have just the right amount of, of heat removal. Just to, they're, they're pretty much always running right on the edge of too hot anyway. So you gum up a fan uh, with uh, with dust or uh, cover the the motherboard with a fine layer of, of dust, and, and it really starts to mess things up. And since I started doing this, I noticed that I was replacing fewer computers for those weird, huh, it just stopped working problems. Right. Um, uh, they, the machines just last. and um, Or having to replace motherboards, because I, I think in the past mm-hmm. we replaced a lot more motherboards than we have in the last few years. Right. You get a you know a network card that goes out, or a video card that goes out, or or something like that, or uh, uh, just a little preventative maintenance goes a long way. And if I had my choice, I would do it more than once a year. But it's just too impractical to do it uh, more often than that. Uh, but if you have a you know where you work has a uh, a long winter break or, or if you do, uh, you know, uh, some uh, different uh, quarters or something like that, uh, you might be able to do it more than once a year. Uh, and while we're on the subject, do it at home, too. And I'm, I'm just as guilty. Yes. <laughs> My computer at home, I bought it like, I don't know, four years ago, stuffed it on that little thing under the desk, and it hasn't moved since. Um, I'm sure it's terrible and I need to take it out and clean my own out at home, but it's very important that you do that. Now, I will say this. 
if you buy an air compressor, um, spend a few extra dollars and get what's called a water trap that goes on it. Uh, particularly where, again, where we live, it's very humid. Uh, and you don't want to be, uh, air compressors tend to collect water anyway. And if they collect enough, that water will actually come out the hose while you're spraying the air out. Yes. Uh, so a little water trap, it doesn't cost much. It's just like a little glass bottle that, that goes in line, uh, will catch that water and keep your systems dry. So, uh, a cheap air compressor, uh, with a little water trap, and and she'll save a lot of money over the compressed gas cans for sure. Yes, uh, and it's quick and easy. I know um, a guy we've had on the show before, Steve Cherubino, talked about when he had a shop. He had a little uh, uh, electric leaf blower, and that's how he did it. <laughs> yeah, he, he took it outside that. with his battery powered leaf blower. And- <laughs> And, and the dust cloud went everywhere. <laughs> However you choose to do it, I highly recommend that you do it. But this little rig that Sean's talking about, well, it's not little. It's it's five and a half feet tall. Yeah. Um, the air compressor and the and the vacuum cleaner, it's got a, a shop vac uh, and uh, that goes underneath it. And so as you're blowing the dust out, it gets sucked right away. And so it's a nice, clean, uh, easy way to do it and uh, speeds things up quite a lot. But anyway, dusting is a very big deal. Um, and if you're not doing it, you need to be doing it. Make a point to do it. I don't care how much you have going on. Make a point to do it. Well, and if you have to, I mean, obviously it's menial work. If you have to, then get some student workers or whatever, however you have to do it. But like you said, it's really one of those things. It needs to get done. You don't realize, uh, how much attrition you're really experiencing due to that. Cause like you said, there's a lot of those, Hmm, you know, you're not quite sure what happened. Well, it's, a lot of times it's just that it's you, you didn't properly maintain the equipment. Right. Just just like you change the oil in your car, dust your computers. It's that same sort of preventive maintenance that needs to happen every year. Yeah, and that's how we have quite a few computers that are probably 7, 8, 9 years old still in operation. Right. Yeah, we have I think our oldest units are going on 12 years now. Right. Uh, and mechanically, they're still kicking. Obviously, they are not modern computing platforms, but in limited uh, places, as thin clients, as things like that, they're still mechanically sound because of good maintenance. Yes. Um, right. And along with that, another thing that dusting do, does is it forces you to, to touch every computer in your network at some point. And uh, we tell our staff, you know, write a post-it note of if, you, if this CD-ROM isn't working. Right, write a post note, put it on the computer. You can't know that just looking at the computer. Um, right. and, and if they didn't write a support ticket, which they almost never do, um, you won't know that. So, but if you if you're walking along and and doing that dusting thing, you see a note there that says uh, CD-ROM doesn't work. Well, then you know to take that back to your shop and look at it. Right. Um, so that's another thing that we do during the summer. We, we, we dust things and we fix broken stuff. And there's more broken stuff out there in your network than you know about. Uh, because in the same way that you're, you've been in, like we said, uh, uh, band-aid and bailing wire mode, so have your teachers been. And there are a lot of things that they have just put up with, um, yeah. because it wasn't all that big a deal. I mean, I've gone to, um, computers that the monitor was clearly broken. Like it was blue on one side and green on the other. <laughs> and the teacher's just living with it because it's good enough for what they need to do. Uh, and they won't, they don't mention that. And then, you know, they'll come back after the summer and say, well, how come nobody did this? 
well, how come you didn't tell us it needed to be done? Um, right. But this the, this is a good time to get out there and touch all your stuff. And, and again, the, the dusting is a good way to do that. But that's another big thing that we do. We spend a lot of time fixing broken stuff. And we found, I know that um, other schools lease or, or do whatever, but we've, we've always um, built or bought our own stuff, and we maintain it. We don't replace it. We fix it. Um, and, Sean, what – what percentage of our, of our machines would you say that in the course of a summer we have to fix something that's physically broken? Oh, well, I wouldn't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't put it, the number very high, but uh, maybe five to 10%. And that's mostly on the older stuff. Right. Uh, you know, here in the high school where we've got, uh, you know, our machines are no more than what, about two years old. Right. Uh, that's pretty rare, but. Yeah, some of our other campuses are, are older machines. There's quite a bit that has to go on. And so. so as you have an aging fleet, that becomes more important. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there are some things that you, uh, you know, you opt not to do. Uh, we've got, uh, I'm thinking of the classroom that I was teaching in uh, this last semester. Uh, probably half of those have CD-ROMs that don't work. Uh, not really a reason to change them out. I mean, we don't use them. Right. So, you know, the, at one they're not even they're not even DVD readers. They're CD readers. Right. And they're not CD writers. They're CD-ROMs. Right. That's how old they are. So, um it's almost well, it's not almost, it's entirely not worth the effort to replace them. In on the odd situation that somebody needs to use a CD, um we can go to one of the other computers that works or yeah. or um you know, I buy every year some uh, uh, monogrammed uh, USB drives. They, they don't cost much. You can get them for 10 bucks a piece. I buy 100 of those or so um, and just have them on, on hand when students or staff need them. And uh, it's just a nice little, you know, it doesn't cost a whole lot, but it's a, a nice little value add that you can uh, do there when a student comes up with something, a CD or whatever, or something, some media uh, that occasionally, uh, well, hasn't happened in a while, but um, kids used to bring floppy drives, you know, floppy disks up there. And oh, okay, we don't yeah. have a floppy drive anywhere, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but during that transition period. Uh, that would happen from time to time. So, you know, we just give them a pen drive. Now, uh, uh, that sort of feeds a frenzy sometimes, and I'll have a line of kids at my door saying, um, can I have a pen drive? Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't just hand them out like that. I can't afford to, but uh, it just, that's a, a little here or there. Just a, a customer service sort of thing to think about. Have those 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 little value adds available and ready for when, when you need them. Yeah, and uh, like you said, I mean, what that value add is, yeah, Definitely laying hands on as many of your machines as you possibly can uh, because you're right. When they come back, if something's still broke, I mean, they that's what they think we do over the summer. The ones that know that we're up here and working all summer long, they think we go and sit down and turn on every computer and, you know, test it out for however long. And, you know, that just doesn't happen. But, uh, you know, we can't sit down and test the functionality on every single machine but certainly if you're laying hands on it you know unplugging it plugging it back in putting it all back together and then uh, uh turning it on and things like that and imaging helps to that to that end as well as uh you catch a lot of things that go wrong yeah often when we get to re-imaging which uh we don't even have on our list here but obviously that's a, a very important part of, of what you do in the summer um, and let's talk about that i i know people who still don't do that who don't re-image and, and yeah that blows my mind 
And and I will tell you what I told my staff when I first started doing it. I was the most hated man on the planet when I first started doing that because it means that it it erased everything on their computer, all their software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my staff didn't understand it at first. But um, and the way to explain that is it's like with the exception of the hardware, it's like getting a new computer every year. You get, um, you know, new software, the latest versions of whatever software you're running. You get rid of all the cruft that's built up throughout the year. All the, you know, uh, downloads that really shouldn't have been downloaded all go away. And you get a nice, pristine environment to start the year every year. And after a couple of years, when when teachers weren't seeing the kinds of problems that they were living with when that old machine they'd had for three or four years um, um started having issues, they began to understand the value of it. Uh, and every now and then I'll get a teacher who left here and went to another district where they don't do that. And they're like, man, you wouldn't believe I'm still running this old, you know, XP service pack one. Um, and it's <laughs> yeah. never been updated. My wife, the, the, the school she was at this year, um, her computer was XP service pack one with, wow. with office 97 on it. <laughs> and at that school, they don't do imaging. They just, they buy a software set and that is what that computer has from then on. And when they could throw that computer away, then they replace it with something modern. Wow. But imaging is a, is a good way to breathe life into an old computer. So if you maintain the hardware, um, it's going to last a long time. And then if you update the software, now there comes a point where you can't do that anymore, where the modern software just won't run on the old hardware. But you can buy a lot of time and really give your staff a much better um, end-user experience just by doing the imaging every year. Yeah, absolutely. And also it helps to uh, divorce them of the mindset of this is my computer. Um, That's a very good point because that is a big one. Uh, and I've seen that before. I've seen that in, in even outside of education. You go and work in the corporate world and people get that mindset. This is my computer. And no, it's not your computer. And the more you can break them of that, then when you do have these hiccups, uh, they do end up getting an infection or something and you've got to re-image them. Uh, they don't store anything on that computer. They haven't really uh, bent over backwards to personalize it. You know, you know how some people are. I mean, they, they've got to have their you know, red flowers background <laughs> right. or whatever, you know. Their grandkids. Yeah, yeah. their grandkids, definitely. That's a popular one. So, uh you know, but they're just not married to those machines. So, yeah, that goes a long way. And that that goes that helps when when the machines inevitably do break down. Um, and, and you know, we've talked before about our twenty percent policy of uh, our, t- our twenty minute policy, rather. Uh, th- it accepts the mindset that we're going to swat flies with sledgehammers once in a while. Uh, yes. When when the problem is just going to take more than a half hour to fix, we just reimage the machine. And and so if you're already doing that, and they're already co- kind of accepted that this is a machine that's on loan to me, um, it 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 helps. It helps the mindset a lot. Uh, and I know, I mean, I've my computer's customized out the wazoo. I've got uh, you know icons all over the place. I've got um, my my software on it the way I want it. I've got my rotating wallpapers the way I want it, but I've also got all that stuff somewhere else. So yeah. that if I have to reimage my own machine, uh, you know, it's just a matter of moving back in. And so once you adjust your practices a little bit and get your staff trained to do that, and it, they will resist it. Uh, but yes. overall, after a while, they begin to understand that it's the better way to go. 
Yeah, the first time they have a problem and you can get them back up and running real quick. And I'm, I'm talking about a major problem, you know. Um, again, viruses seem to be the big one at the top of my mind. And not that we don't get a whole lot of that. But, um, but when it does, it's like, yeah, I can have them back up and running quicker than if I had tried to repair the virus. And they're starting, they, they do see the value in that. They do understand that, you know, they could have been out of service for a couple of hours, but, you know, I've got them back up and running in no time. So, right. You begin to start to think of that computer as a cog in a very large machine, um, rather than my entire world. Yes. Yes. All right, Sean, right. what else you want to talk about? Uh, well, I think it's interesting, and I, I don't know how authoritatively we can uh, speak about this uh, this year, but we are going through it as uh, uh, upgrading software, particularly uh, OS, this right. summer. So uh, that's going to be an interesting one, and I think we'll probably talk about over the next uh, handful of shows, definitely through the summer, uh, because... Uh, so far, I mean, I'm loving Windows 7 and I have, I've been, I beta tested it. Uh, so yeah, I, we both did. Yeah. So been using it for a long time and, uh, uh, have loved it since day one. Um, but here we are now. It's one thing to be a single user, uh, using that. Now I've got to go and, uh, you know, we'll do like a default setup, uh, for the listeners, uh, I'll explain this. We do a default setup, and then we will uh, take that default profile uh, of the Windows user and uh, and copy that for all users so that everybody who logs in gets that same experience. And uh, you have to go about that certain way. You know, in XP, there was, there was a definite list of things you had to do in a certain order and way that you had to do them for that to work properly. Uh, so that's where I'm at right now is trying to figure out yeah, we exactly. don't know how to do that in windows 7 right right and even then you know there's some trepidation there because you go well even if i think i got it nailed uh it's one thing for me a single user to test that out you know and we again we can't test out every single machine and all the functionality so you know you test out a handful of machines spot check it here and there maybe but uh when you get you know again 700 users seven eight hundred users or more uh, all of a sudden return one day and hop on your network and, uh, I, you know, you just cross your fingers and go, oh, I hope that all works fine. Right. And, <laughs> and we know it's not going to work right. Yeah. There's always um, something anyways, you know, and in something fact, you missed. It was a, a decision on our port part. We didn't tell anybody we were upgrading to Windows 7. I mean, our, our, of course, the, the principals and, and superintendents, the administration knows it, but we didn't tell our teachers that. Right. Because we don't really know what to expect. Um, we don't know what kind of training issues we're going to run into. I mean, the UI is different, but I think anybody should be able to. Do it. Of course, anybody who's bought a computer for home in the last few years either got Vista or 7 on it. Um, so I think it's going to be okay. But one of the reasons, I'm not sure if we've talked about this on the show. Sean, maybe you can uh, uh, chime in. Uh, Microsoft recently changed their licensing structure. Uh, right. dramatically. Um, and now for your OS license or your um, um, uh, software, any of the licenses for for Office or whatever, it's no longer based on how many computers you have, but how many staff members you have. So in a small school like us, we, we have, you know, less than 100 staff members, but many, many computers. And so when Microsoft was licensing based on number of computers, uh, it was outside of our capacity to afford it. Yeah. But, but now... 
uh, that they've changed that. Uh, for our district alone, we're paying roughly $2,000 a year for Windows 7 uh, or the latest version of Windows. When Windows 8 comes out, we'll have that. Yeah. Um, and so it was really, it was a bargain. Uh, well, not really a bargain, but when you do, do the math, it's, it's a, it's a win-win over, it's a win over just buying software for the machine, which is the way we did it. We bought a, bought a computer. We stipulated it came with a Windows license and typically that runs, you know, a hundred bucks. And so when, when I really started crunching the numbers, it wasn't a huge margin, uh, say five years out, but, there is there is value uh, uh, monetarily in doing their licensing for five years versus buying a computer that lives five years, um, and plus we get to upgrade as as things come on. So uh, we decided to run Windows Seven everywhere we could run to run Windows Seven. We have some of those yeah. older machines that aren't going to be able to do it, and in order to get us there, we had to do some upgrading, um, and. You know, we found that it's it's fairly inexpensive. We've got uh, what almost uh, about seventy five computers that we just bought a couple of sticks of RAM for to bring them up to about two gigs. Yeah, that, that yeah, those machines. I mean, that's amazing. Again, those are machines that I was talking about where fifty uh, percent of the CD ROMs uh, don't work on. But uh, here we are. We throw and we did a test in my classroom uh, last semester and. Uh, got uh, four sticks of RAM, and we, I put them into a couple of machines and upgraded them from 512 to 2 gigs of RAM, and uh, boom, pop Windows 7 on there, and I mean, they're like brand new machines. They run really, really well. And yeah, if they you, really do. If you look at it from, and I've made this uh, comparison before, the one of the hottest markets in computing right now is netbooks, and yeah. the typical netbook is running a one to 1.6 gigahertz atom processor and has between one and two gigs of ram yeah well those are basically the specs that we were buying computers at seven or eight years ago so we have hundreds of large netbooks <laughs> it's essentially yeah. what they are yeah oversized netbooks and they're the same specs that do the same thing but a netbook will run uh windows 7 uh really well yeah. uh, lots of them are being sold with it so uh we found uh, that if we added a couple of gigs of RAM, and that's what we brought them all up to two gigs, everything we could, uh, Windows 7 sings on them. And it really is like getting a new computer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we're, again, uh, that same hardware set that we've already been talking about, we're extending the life of that even further. Uh, and really, in those environments, I mean, we're not talking about, uh, I think we might be a little bit more hesitant to do something like that in the high school where the users are a little bit more, uh, they're going to be working on higher end things, doing a lot more multitasking and things like that. But uh, it's a no brainer at the middle school and elementary school where the kids just aren't, you know, especially now that we're a Google Docs school, uh, most of what they're doing is is browser based. And uh, if anything, the problems that they may run into is uh, having too many tabs open. Right. Uh, so. Yeah, so uh, you wouldn't want to do that for our uh, video editing, video editing or, class, yeah. or our what's what's that one where they do the CAD stuff? I forget the name of the class, but right. uh, they do that. So for those those uses, but for your Spanish teacher who runs video tutorials, or for your English teachers, it's where primarily about writing. Um, those machines are fine. They're they're six or so years old, and I expect to get another four or five years out of them easily yeah. Uh, if we take care of the, the hardware. And so that's how, you know, I, I've mentioned it many times on this show and, and everywhere I uh, go, I, I, I say something to the effect of we're um, a small school, 100 staff, 
five to six hundred students and um, almost a thousand computers. And people right. were like, how can you must be a rich school? Now, we're actually a very poor school, but we don't give up things. We hang on to them and we repurpose them and we make them last. And and we I, I would put the computing experience our students have up against any other. Uh, it's just in a different it's in a little uglier case. Well, yeah, and anybody that comes and visits our district, that's basically the message we get out of them. They're like, uh, wow, I wish I had all of this. Right. Uh, yeah, because if you're one of the have-nots, you look at those cases and you're like, uh, I, don't I don't care. Yeah, I'd love to have those computers. Uh, so there's certainly that. I think it's funny you, you mentioned that, and that kind of speaks to our society, I think. I mean, we're such a disposable society now, right? You get something you use it for really half of its usable life. And then it's like, eh, it's a little rough around the edges. Just toss it and get a new one. Uh, when you could have gotten twice the life out of whatever it is, we call it a widget, but uh, it seems like we do that a lot. Yeah. I know a lot of schools who have a district policy of, of three to five year replacement cycle. Right. Uh, and, and that's fine. I, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. And in those places where computing power is critical, I do that as well. You know, three to five years on those things where we really uh, have to be stretching it. But the reality is that hardware manufacturers outstripped our needs 10 years ago. They've been making computers since 2000 that were more powerful than we need uh, and some that are more powerful than we even need today. Right. Um, because, you know, with their, your multi-core processors and your 64-bit and all that, and our needs haven't really changed, even though the hardware has. So as long as you can keep it alive and kicking, those core 2s that you've got laying around are still really good computers, or even the single-core stuff, you know. Uh, don't don't throw them out just because they got a few dents on them. Right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, we have literally spray painted computers right buy <laughs> buy a can of glossy spray paint and wow new case right right or done the new case you yeah, know buy a, buy a 20 dollar new case and uh put put the old guts in there and yeah i know uh, we've talked about that on this on the show before but you know we may have new listeners we have uh just about 70 or so old computers yes uh that teachers had simply refused to use they they were sitting either unused in classrooms or sometimes they would just take them out and sit them in the hallway because they were taking up space yeah we took those computers they were again gigahertz processor half a gig of ram uh in them and uh we we took those computers we bought new cases that cost like 26 dollars a piece right we took the old guts put them in the new shiny black case and went back to those same teachers and said, look, we've got some different computers for you. You don't want them. And they love them, and they rave about them. These are so much faster than the old ones. Yeah, that's the one that kills me. Now they all are, you know, work great, and it's identical guts. We didn't upgrade RAM. We didn't do anything. We simply pulled the guts out of a old, ugly, white case uh, and put them into a new case, and uh, and now we've got you know people using the computers. So that was, uh, you know, it, it sounds like that might have been a waste of money, but really it was a good investment because those computers are being used now, and uh, so that's what we're here to do is you know make make these computers available to the children. So right, and and we did things like we took the floppy drive out. Modern computers don't have floppy drives. Right. So we just didn't put it in. Yeah, right? yeah. So by removing components, it made it a more modern platform. 
Yeah, uh, and I think uh, those were ones that we actually did go ahead and get a good working CD-ROM in because they were going into the elementary school, and elementary teachers especially have a lot more of those uh, kid-based games on CD-ROM and stuff. So, Which is going to be an adventure moving to Windows 7 because a lot of that stuff yes. isn't going to work. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm really worried about that because I really think the first month of school uh, I'm going to be tied up with a lot of that, you know. This, this software won't run. It's run forever for me. And you look at it as, you know, print shop 98 or yeah. something like that. And, you know, um, my, my, the official district stance on that is going to be step into the nineties. I'm sorry. Right. Leave, leave the eighties behind with your software. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen people using 20 year old software yeah. and it's just like, and then it finally stops working, you know, uh, cause we saw that even with XP, uh, an update would come out or something. And, uh, all of a sudden some software that they've been using for 20 years, uh, stops working and, uh, they want us to magically make it work. And it's kind of like, you know, Go buy a new $9.99 CD, you know. Or find the website that does it better today. Yeah, absolutely, because so much of that is done on the web now. Uh, so, uh, But I, I understand where they're coming from, you know, especially teachers like that. They've got the CD from 20 years ago because they've been teaching that long, and that's absolutely worked into their routine. And you know, I'm going to name one. It's called Cinch, C-I-N-C-H. Uh, math tutor. Okay. Uh, this was middle school math, uh, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. They were three different modules, uh, one for each grade. They all three, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade fit on a single floppy disk. <laughs> wow. So that's how old this thing is. And the teacher uh, who had been using it had been using it since it was new on, on monochrome monitor computers, right? <laughs> right. And, and she's retired now. She, the world, the teaching world passed her by and she finally recognized it, but she made me use it and I found, found ways to do it. And so, uh, we had terminal servers in her room. And so that software was running on a multi-core, multi-gig of RAM server 2008 terminal <laughs> server. <laughs> Uh, because, you know, she needed it. And, and Which, like, your wristwatch could have run it now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but her point was, and I couldn't argue with it, math that hasn't changed. Five plus five is still ten. And yeah. if that software was good in 1982, it's still good now. And it's kind of hard to argue with that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but she could have probably, and, and I even showed her websites and resources that do the same concepts in a more modern way, a, a way that is more fun and engaging to the students. But she was one of those teachers that didn't care about fun and engaging. She right. cared about five plus five equals 10. Yeah. Uh, and so those things are going to have to go away, but at some time, at the same time, sometimes you have to bend over backwards a little bit to accommodate those um, methods that are still valid, even though they're not modern. Oh yeah, sure, sure. All right, and, what, what, what and, do you want to hit next? Well, I mentioned uh, servers. Uh, this is also the time of year when you should be bringing down your servers. Um, yes. You know, we talked about blowing the dust out of desktops. How many of you have ever? blowing the dust out of a server and it needs to be done i mean those, done. those things are full chock full of fans right there's you've got dozens of fans running non-stop and of course you can't bring those down there's never a good time even in the summer your business people are working whatever make it make it happen say you know as, as of pick a friday because everybody likes to leave early on friday and say at two o'clock friday i'm shutting down the entire network operations center for maintenance you're right go home take the afternoon off because i'm done 
Um, and yeah, they're going to love you anyways because that gives them an excuse to go home early, right? right? <laughs> uh, but also, this is the time when you know uh, we're upgrading some servers that uh, uh, from server two thousand three to server two thousand eight. This is the time to do that sort of stuff, uh, and just don't be afraid. Don't think that there is nothing that is so critical that you can't live without it for a couple of hours. Uh, right. Break it down. Add some RAM. Fix. Check your hard drives. Uh, when I went into the server room. Uh, just last week, I found two hard drives on systems that weren't working uh, because they were RAID-based systems. The machines were still working, and, and everything was fine, um, but I didn't know it. I just the, you know, There was a little light saying, oh, by the way, I'm not working, but who's in there? It's it's in a closet. It's closed. You don't go in there. Right. Uh, so check your servers. I mean, stop. Pa- press pause right now. <laughs> go check your servers <laughs> because if one of those really does die, it's a big, big deal. Yes, and it, it's guaranteed to happen at the worst possible time. Right. So. And and on that line, I have instructed our uh, janitorial staff um, when they're uh, you know vacuuming in here. I tell them go in the server room to, to take the little hose of your vacuum and suck out those fan vents. Right. You know, it's uh, just a little preventative maintenance uh, can go a long way. But we tend to put servers in a closet and forget about them until they break. Well, if you don't pay attention to them, they will break. Yeah, or you still you shorten the life, right? I mean, just just like I mean, a server is a computer, and uh, just like we were talking about the other computers, uh, you know, by doing that, you'll extend the life of those servers, and those things are expensive, right? And another thing to do in the summertime is check your website. Does it still have content from January on it? <laughs> yes. Maybe it's time. To, and and what I took the policy a few years ago. Um, uh, we have a content management system up. We have uh, Moodle. We have we have all these options for uh, user generated content, and uh, and you may not have this uh, freedom at your school, but um, with of course the the approval of uh, my bosses, um, I said I have trained staff. I have given them tools. I have trained students at our school. Our students have the ability to create website content. They can't publish it. They have to get a teacher to publish it, but they can create it. So I said, I am no longer responsible for website content. Now, if something needs to be posted, I can do that. Certainly I'm one of the many people who can do that, but I'm not going to be the gatekeeper. And so last year, last summer for about three months, our homepage was totally blank (laughs) and I was totally okay with that. Yeah, sure. Because I would rather have a blank page with nothing on it than old information on it. Yeah. And somebody came to me and said, how come X isn't on there? My answer was because you haven't put it there. Right. So maybe this is a good time to, to do that. You've, uh, you're probably going to have some time with your teachers uh, uh, coming back in the fall to do some training. Modern content management systems, a Joomla or, or, or things like that, they're, if you can work a word processor, you can work a, a website. Um, look at putting something like that up if you don't, and then turn it over to them. It will be a very freeing thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is the way that it typically goes, and it's the way that it is around here, is ultimately that ends up falling on a handful of teachers who are somewhat tech-savvy. Uh, but again, you know, so there might be if uh, at the high school campus, there might be a couple of people who know how to do that, but the other teachers know, and if they want something posted, they'll shoot something to them in an email or whatever. Um, but yeah, certainly keeps it off of our shoulders. And then, you know, it's hard to post, uh, information like that. It takes so much longer if a teacher comes to me and says, oh, here's these videos and here's some, you know, I want to write up on the students that did this. 
and then I've got to do it. And there's all this back and forth, right? And ultimately, even though I get it done, it takes me three times longer to actually get it done than if the teacher knew how to do it and did it themselves. I'm looking at our website right now. The top six items on the homepage are Kaltura videos. Um, yes. All of which were actually created. Uh, well, uh, five of the six were created by middle school. Um, yes, middle school is really uh, charging hard in that right. area. Now, when you get down past the uh, like the fifth item, some of it is from like May 2010, right? And yeah. uh, April 2010 and March 2010. And I don't have a problem with that. That information is out there. They put it out there. I'm not going to make it a big deal to make sure our website has current content because, you know, maybe you don't have anything to say. And yeah, maybe that's sure. okay. Sure. Well, you know, uh, the, the important stuff's there, right? We have a promotional video that tells about our district and things like that. So the casual visitor coming to the site, that's what they're going to want to see anyways. And of course, yeah, you have your static information, uh, phone numbers and all that stuff. Right. Speaking of phone numbers, yes, this is the time when those tend to change. Principals seem to like to shuffle the deck of teachers, especially um, elementary principals yeah, and middle school reason. as well. Um, I don't, Maybe that's not the case at your schools, but but the schools here in this part of the country, um, it's like the every principal. Maybe they learn this in principal academy. Like, they, don't let a teacher get too comfortable right. in one classroom. Maybe it's like the computer thing, right? Like right. they don't own the classroom. They take all the names of of teachers and they write them on playing cards and they shuffle the deck and they throw them in the air and that's how they pick who goes where. I, I don't know really how that works, but uh, Mrs. Jones, who has taught kindergarten for the last four years, is now teaching fifth grade in another building across the, the town. And so you've got to be able to make all those changes in the phone directory and on the website directory and the email directory and in your group policy settings. Uh, that happens a lot. Right. Too. Your, your, your middle school people moved up to high school. Your kids there uh, change the group policy settings. Make a point. Put that on your calendar because the day they come into the first day of school, the teacher says, "All right, you need to go here," and they don't have access to it because they're not high school students in the system. You know, you got to change that. Well, and that's uh, yet another reason to really push for uh, a sense of non ownership of the computers because we are not, and I should say, we, we as in I am not uh, having to go and grab mrs jones's computer from room 23 and move it over into yes. room 28 uh no those computers stay there and we re-image them and all the teachers come back to the same image and so that makes your life a lot easier so yet another reason to uh to make a push in that direction if you haven't already done so uh, that was all i had on my list sean you got anything else any ideas no, I'm sure, like I said, over the uh, next handful of weeks, we're probably going to be touching more and more on that stuff. I'm really curious to see how the rest of the Windows 7 uh, imaging goes. Uh, so far, so good. So. Right. And so we want to hear from you. Is there something we left out, some critical thing that you think everybody must do and we, we forgot to mention it? Or maybe we don't do it. Maybe we're in the dark about it. Right. Um, do you disagree with something we said? Would you, <laughs> would you never do some of the things that we say you should do? Uh, let us know. Uh, find, uh, contact us, uh, uh, at our website. Go to elementop.com. 
and uh, start a forum discussion there and, and let us know or reply to the comments uh, in the blog posting for this episode for the show notes. Uh, but let us know. We want to hear from you and we'll we'll do uh, maybe a, a, a recap of this at the end of the summer. Uh, right. This is the beginning of summer. This is what we're planning to do. Maybe at the end of the summer we'll do what we did. Uh, but for now, we'll move on to the tech tips of the week or the, the tips of the week, rather. Uh, for my tech tip, I think it was the last episode, maybe two episodes ago, I did one about uh, if you're a, a stats geek and you want information about your computer, here's another one. But this one, I think, has a little more valuable information. It's called Specky, S-P-E-C-C-Y. Uh, and Specky will tell you everything that's in your computer. Uh, the other one that I mentioned told about you know hard drive temperatures and, and, and okay. uh, bandwidth uh, throughput and that sort of thing. This is more about what's in this computer, what kind of processor, what kind of hard drive. And um, this is a really good thing to be able to do before you start re-imaging something. Run yes. this software. There's, uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now on other tools that do this. Uh, I was trying but, to think, too, because there's something else that I use that gives you that. And uh, I know I use it a lot when I, use, I work on somebody's private computer right. because you don't know what you're dealing with. Here, we're, we're very familiar with the hardware sets. But when somebody brings you just a one-off computer to maybe fix for them, uh, it's, it's great to run that kind of a tool so that if you have to refer back and, you know, drivers is always a big one, right? right? You need to refer back and uh, get some detailed information about the hardware. Uh, there it is. So, uh, yeah, definitely a way to go. Yeah, and Specky will tell you all that sort of stuff in a nice, easy-to-read uh, format. It, it's it's um, uh, easy to see things at a glance. It breaks things down. Uh, but uh, it'll tell you, you know, what, what your operating system is, how much RAM it is, what type of RAM it is. Is it, you know, dual channel DDR3 or is it, uh, right. you know, is it, uh, what is it? You need to know that. Or what kind of graphics adapter does it have? That's sometimes those are the hardest drivers to find is yes. your multimedia type stuff. Um, you know, uh, what, what kind of peripherals does it have on it? So it's a, it's a really easy way uh, to get that information. It's called Specky. And again, we'll have the link in our show notes. All right, I'll jump in here with the teacher tip. And this week, the teacher tip is really not so much a teacher tip as a, as it is an everybody tip. Yes, do it. Right. If you have email, uh, if, which I'm assuming most of you that listen to a technology show will have, <laughs> uh, you really need to uh, go check this site. And uh, it's called ShouldIChangeMyPassword.com. So just like it sounds. All run together. Should I change my password.com? And what this is, this guy, uh, let's see. I guess I should pull it up while I'm talking about it, huh? Uh, <laughs> uh, a gentleman by the name of, if I talk slow enough, it'll come up. <laughs> I thought his name was on here. Let me see. Maybe it's not. Um, I'd love to give him credit. He calls well, him at DagRZ on Twitter. That's the only thing he has there. Right. Yeah, at DagRZ. Uh, he does have a donate button there. Uh, so if you feel so inclined, by all means, uh, throw the guy a few bones. But it's very simple. And all you do, there's a box there. You type your email address in there. You say check it. And what that does is he's he's uh, compiled a database of uh, of cracked I, databases, cracked databases, right? Email, email databases, um, and uh, so people who have been hacked, and maybe you've been hacked and you don't know it. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's a big news right now. People like Lulzac and Anonymous have been hacking Sony like crazy and all right. those sort of things, and they release these databases to the public. So he's created an API where he doesn't actually have 
your information. He doesn't actually use it. He, uh, he, he goes to where these deb- databases are and just runs a check. Is your email address in there? Yeah. If it is, somebody's got your information most likely. Yeah. And we're, we're not talking about just your email. We're talking about your email account password, uh, as well. So your, your account could literally be, uh, completely hacked and people can be doing all kinds of stuff with it of course many people use the same password for their email that they use for their banking and all kinds of other things which is a horrible habit uh but uh very easy it doesn't cost you a penny you go there should i change my password.com put your email address in there check it i checked mine i came out clean uh so i was happy with that i just entered my three most commonly used passwords and they all came up good so that's good yeah yeah so uh or, or your email addresses you mean yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. I put my passwords in the field. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, check it out. Uh, I will say uh, that this one came from Steve Gibson of Security Now, and uh, uh, I'm, I've just got to say anything he endorses off on, uh, I'm happy to endorse off on as well. The last of the frequently asked questions on the site is: As of June 25th, 2011, there are just over one million records, one million with an M, records in the database. But the intention is to keep updating uh, perpetually. Uh, so there are uh, one million um, known hacked accounts right. there. And if yours is one of them, it's a good time to start changing passwords. Well, and when I heard about this, uh, as Leo and uh, Steve were talking, and they were talking about this, and, of course, they've got a, a pretty large live audience, and sure enough, one of their audience members ran it and found out at that moment that he, he had been hacked uh, just like two or three days prior. So uh, so not only something that you want to go check now, but it might be something you want to put in your favorites or your bookmarks or something like that and maybe go check it periodically because those, those kind of exploits are always out there live and in the wild. So Should I change my password.com? All right. All right, and so as I mentioned earlier, uh, the way you can contact us is at our website, elementop.com. You can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash elementop. Uh, and for the hosts of this show, it's then look at the uh, Tightwad Tech group, or excuse me, Tightwad Tech list. Uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash elementop. We, we still, the uh, facebook.com slash the Tightwad Tech is still there, but we're sort of deprecating that and recommending that everybody go to elementop. Yay, and like us. Like us, like yeah. us, like us, like us. Uh, right now we have nine people who like us. Yeah, well, we haven't really been pushing that yeah, one we, hard. We can do way better than that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could get 11 probably. I got to be truthful. I'm not sure I sent <laughs> I'm not sure I sent that out to my group of That's people. Funny. Yeah, I'll have to go uh, back and look. Just a, an aside that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, the last time Steve Cherubino was here for his Cherubino Redux, um, he talked about, or it might have been the first time, and it didn't make it in the second time, so I don't remember, but he talked about how to, uh, to uh, advertise your website, and he said one of the things he did was he called into Leo Laporte's radio show during the weekend, the the Tech Guy radio show, Yeah, and and Leo does this all the time. You, you mentioned a site. You, you just mentioned that you have a, a website, and he'll ask you the URL, and he'll put it up, and he'll put it on the screen, everybody do it. And he said he got um, several hundred subscribers immediately after doing that, and he recommended that as a way to uh, sort of drive traffic to your site. Sure. And I, I'm just going to say, Steve, I love you, but I think that's cheap, and it's not something that I would ever do. Um, 
but and so I have I never really considered it. But just this weekend, I was watching Twit Live. Yes, I'm a geek. I spent my weekend watching Twit Live. Yes, on that's, my that's pretty geeky. <laughs> um, and this guy called in and mentioned his site, and the chat room lit up with, "Oh gosh, here's another one." These people call in here and and pimp their sites, right? Um, and so. You know, when, when you talk about our Facebook, you know, we've only got nine likes. We earned every one of those nine likes. Thank yes. You. Yes. So yeah, they're not cheap likes. That's, that's right. for sure. <laughs> those nine people actually like us. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if you do like us, you can call into uh, our phone line as well. We, we haven't mentioned that one yet. Yes. 530 Frugal, F-R-U-G-A-L-2. Or as I always point out, right there on our website, top right corner, you can enter your phone number there and Google will call you. It won't even cost you a phone call google will call you and you can leave us a voicemail yeah we'd love to hear from you and so i think it's time to say great show was it really uh yeah it was pretty good it was, i it guess was a good show. Yeah. It was, yeah above average <laughs> <laughs> i'm right. not even sure i would agree with that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right thanks uh we'll see you next time folks and for now this is mark signing off and sean signing off